0: Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Friday, August 26, 2016. This episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They're an easy way to deploy your application no matter the language or framework that you're using. They are great for deploying JavaScript applications using technologies such as Node.js, Meteor.js, Feathers.js, and many other frameworks. They recently updated their build process for Meteor to include uploading the code to a build server. They use a Docker component to create the build and output a consistent application that gets sent to the servos making it more reliable and easier for you to deploy your Meteor application. Check them out, Modulus.io. Hey there, just wanted to take a quick second to tell you about something that's coming up in November, Space Camp 2.0. So last year we ran Space Camp 1.0 in Gatlinburg, Tennessee in the mountains. It was a lot of fun. And so this year we decided we wanted to go bigger and it took some searching, but we found an even bigger place it has 30 bedrooms and it's on the coast of North Carolina in Outer Banks. Super, super excited for this. We're going to follow a similar format to last year. So the first day we're going to have talks and it's going to be the open camp style of like, you know, everyone just kind of saying, hey, I've got a talk and we'll pick the best ones and then we'll, we'll all sit down and listen to those. They were great last year. I'm expecting some, some not, top-notch ones again this year. We also have like home-cooked meals the entire time. My wife is an excellent, excellent cook, and she's going to make all those meals. And I think anyone that went last year would attest to how tasty everything was and how much food there was. It was amazing, and uh, we plan to replicate that this year. Talks during the day, then in the evenings beer, board games, a lot of hanging out, talking, watching funny videos, all kinds of stuff. So if board games are your thing, this is definitely the event to come to. I may even try to bring the PS4 or something. We'll see how that works out. The car was pretty packed last year, so I don't know how much space there will be. But if you're interested, it's like the first week in November right after the election. So that weekend, the second day, we'll have A hackathon contest where we'll be building fun things using JavaScript. So if you're a fan of JavaScript, like this is the event you want to be at. So check it out, camp.spacedojo.com. It will be an amazing time, I promise you. See you there. Welcome, Crater fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my co-host. Bobby Iyer. My, my bearded co-host, bearded co-host. I know,
1: Growing the beard out. <laughs> nice.
0: Look at fresh, man. <laughs> so, yes, it was a very interesting week in uh, Crater land. We're going to talk about the new version of Crater. We're going to talk about the state of JavaScript. I'm going to talk about a new React Native tutorial slash book. And uh, then we're going to have a discussion on is it time to fork Meteor? I don't know. <laughs> let's, let's figure it out. Yeah. All right. So, the first one, and I've got a blog that's going to accompany this uh, as soon as I can finish writing it. But I've been super stressed about Crater as of late, as of the, probably the last four or five months. It's been feeling slow and slower. I've been having trouble with uh, pre-render, like my install pre-render working properly, which has led to like, you know, Google getting errors. And so the Google traffic's been dying off and whatnot. And so these are problems I needed to fix. And I also felt like it didn't really fit with the space dojo branding either. I didn't have the time and like, I'm not a designer, to like really work on this. And I ended up talking to Sasha and like, he really wanted to get someone on the newer version of Telescope using React. And so he ended up putting together a design probably like two or three weeks ago. And, you know, I've been working on getting it ready, like testing it, tweaking it, making sure it looked right with, you know, the production data ended up putting it up on a staging server that used the same production database and then put that server into the mix for some people to use. So for like a week, like Avi and I have been using the new version mm-hmm. prior to it launching. And uh, I probably had like 10 or 12 people that were kind of using it and giving me feedback. And it was good, like we got some good feedback. Like Sasha and I ended up swapping the fonts. So the main fonts more legible, like the font that you see up by the logo, that was the font that was everywhere. And a system font for headlines is kind of bad, it turned out. Yeah hard to read. It felt good to get it out there. And like, it's amazing the amount of speed. So the major piece that changed is that the entire front end is in React instead of Blaze. Pretty sure under the covers is maybe using Create Container. So still using Tracker and whatnot. Still using Mini Mongo, PubSub. Um, but the big piece is, is going to be React. I was thinking about it today. I want to go through and look at the Nova stuff and see, like, did the optimistic UI stuff change or did that stay the same? Because I have a feeling like maybe that changed a little bit and maybe that's where some of the speed's coming from. Now when you upvote, like, it's just like, boom, done, you know? Whereas before it would, like, sit and chug and chug and chug and then the upvote would happen. And same thing, like, clicking in to look at comments, like, that would take forever and yeah. take anymore. Like, Sasha worked hard to get server-side rendering to work. Yeah, he
1: went through a lot of hoops for that one.
0: Yeah. He got FastRender working. Like, FastRender's been working for a while, but he got it working with React and React Router and the React Router SSR package Mm -hmm. that's out there. That took a little fiddling as well because there were some bugs in FastRender. There's even been a fix lately. So, like, DDP batching broke FastRender. Have we talked about DDP batching? I think we have. Yeah. For those those that aren't familiar... The, the idea is, like, if you come to the page and you load, like, 100 things onto the page, DDP would process each of those 100 items as they were coming in and, like, react to each one. And DDP batching kind of gives you this this little 500-millisecond delay, or it's configurable, but it'll like wait and then it'll run like from the time it hits the first piece of DDP data coming in to it hits the time limit, then it'll batch out those changes. And so you're not rerunning the code all the time. And so DDP batching is actually turned off right now. And I have a feeling if I go back and put in this new version of fast render and turn DDP batching back on, like we may even see slightly speedier performance on it, which I mean might be negligible at this point with how fast it
1: feels yeah. it's definitely night and day man like seriously like i mean aside from the theme which is very like in line with the space dojo theme that's already a plus and then the speed where so many people were commenting already saying like talking about the old days and crater like it was a couple you know just a couple days ago was the old version yeah so i'm pretty excited like it's funny how Things can change when you just change the technology, right? Yeah, just Especially a little, technology right? that's actively developed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's like Facebook cares about performance, and that's not to say like MDG didn't care about performance, but MDG cared about like a whole bunch of other things inside of the media framework. And this is this is kind of like playing into my recent thoughts on frameworks versus libraries and, and like why libraries make a lot more sense because you can have a small focused team that's like quickly iterating and fixing problems. And like, they're just kind of focused on that one thing. That's why I think it's like super interesting. GraphQL looks interesting and react looks interesting and these kinds of things, or, or even view view looks interesting. You know, I think that stuff works well because you have a smaller focused team that cares about, like one particular problem or two or three problems that relate to that, you know, kind of front end piece here. And the other nice thing that I gained because of this is because like, because we don't need pre-render anymore because we have fast render and SSR, the grid would serve up proper HTML to the Google bots and whatnot, all the spiders. And we're not dealing with the performance issues we had before, um, with spiderable or pre-render and we're getting like actual, like you can actually see like I've got Google webmaster installed, which by the way, if you don't, if you're running a site and you don't have Google webmaster installed, like you should go do that now. But Definitely. like you can see this air chart where it was like one to 2000 errors a day to Google. And then just, just a straight drop down to zero. Um, yeah. and Google's getting a hundred percent like served up responses now. And I have a feeling like the speed increase and the lack of errors like should hopefully help you know, propel the site back to a good page rank everywhere. So that's a huge benefit. And then I turned on page caching as well. So if you're not logged in, you're going to be served up a cached version of HTML based on the SSR. And it's actually really neat to see. So if you go and the cache is slightly old and you're not logged in, like you'll get that cached version. And there's a new post or something, or the upvote numbers change. Like you can load the page, and then DDP kicks in, and like the page updates as well. And it's, it's yeah, actually see that happen.
1: Yeah, I actually I think I owe most of this like speed increase definitely to server side rendering. You know, I think there's a misconception about server side rendering where it's only for that page load time, and of course it is. But as you said, like you're, it affects a lot more pieces of your business, like your quality score, um, when you have search engine marketing, if Google can see that page faster, they're going to rank you a lot higher in terms of quality of the website. Yeah. And what does that mean for a, a, like a consumer business? That means that more people are going to land on your website because Google ranks you a lot higher. So if you're doing a lot of search engine marketing, that means you can push a lot more people to your website And if the perceived performance of loading that page is also higher for the user, it's a double win because they're going to like your product a lot more. So I definitely think that server-side rendering in any library, if you're doing like any HTML rendering type library needs to focus on server-side rendering. And the crazy thing is most are by default now. You know, like every new framework not framework, library, in the last couple of months, including React, has had a very good focus on server-side rendering and an ability to do so. So that's, that's just great to see. Like, two years ago, you would have to do that as a separate part of the, the library's experience, you know? Yeah. And uh, now it's just a part of, like, that's part of how it is. It's probably because client, you know, you know, single-page apps are huge, probably three or, three or four years ago. And no one was really thinking about, everyone was really focused on getting away from these, you know, server pages. But now we realize that we actually need the server to do a lot for us as well, you know? So,
0: yeah. Well, you know, I mean, things come full circle. like if you deliver a stitch page of HTML, right? Like that's just going to be easier for the client to digest and it's going to feel a little faster. And so as long as yeah. you're like optimizing for the delivery speed, I think that can be a good thing when it comes to meteor apps, it's a particularly big deal because like we've got four megs in the JavaScript bundle, right? Like that's just, that's ridiculous. And like, you have to download those four megs before the page could render. And so we've, we've kind of cut that problem out. A little bit, like it's just occurring to me that that's actually happened, and that's maybe why it also feels faster. So even though we're serving the four Megs via CDN, which should be fast, like you still, unless it's cached, like you still got to download that before you can render the page.
1: Still sizable amount
0: for sure. The server already has that ready to go, and it's able to serve that up, and so that helps a lot. And like you know, I'm looking at the analytics stats, and I think, you know, looking at the design the core functionality of the design actually didn't change that much. Right. So like you still have the main focus of the layout is relevant stories that are like today's top news. And like you click through and read those and we went from a 76% bounce rate to a 1.3% bounce rate that has nothing to do with the design that has everything to do with the page speed i think exactly so fast everyone's more willing to click around and stay on the site a little longer definitely they are staying on the site a little longer too we went from like 1 second average duration to like 142 so that's like a 68% bump right there which is pretty pretty amazing so
1: so here's the unfortunate thing there are people like myself that are still an iron router and making the transition we, we have a lot of JavaScript in our apps. Do you have any, like, recommendations on how to deal with that? Because there are going to pe- be people right now who can't server-side render anything because they are legacy code in Iron Router. We get around this by saying anything we want to server-side render, like, screw Meteor. We're going to use our Express server. We'll just make it happen. Yeah. And uh, we have a CDN for JavaScript. We'll just make it happen, and then... Once the user converts, they're gonna do with the fat page load, you know. But that initial one was fast, but the next one is terrible. But that's just that's just a bandage to the bleeding, right? So
0: there's no great answer. So if we're talking like React versus Blaze, like the answer is you can incrementally start to move there. But I think with the router, like there's no super great answer. I feel like that's one of those things you can't partially do one way and partially do another. My recommendation would be just the movement from iron router to flow router isn't bad and doesn't require you to buy into something like react. Right. Yep. And so like that would probably be my recommendation because there, there are ways to server side render flow router but it's still going to be, you know, it's an effort. It's, it's something that it's, you know, you've you really got to commit to and like debugging and, and making sure it works correctly. Yeah. And, you know, I saw Kent Dodd uh, posted a uh, tweet the other day, like, you know, given the amount of effort you have to put into getting SSR to work, is it worth the benefit? And I think that there are a lot of people in the JavaScript world that are starting to think no but I think those people have access to things like tree shaking and code splitting. And that's not something yeah. immediately we have access to. So I think SSR is like a huge win to the media yeah. It's
1: definitely better than nothing for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, I feel like, um, when I get the blog post out, part of it was, yeah, I wanted to like have a better performing site for the community to kind of use and, and rally around. Someone asked the other day in the forums, like, You know, if I don't want to use Meteor, what are my other options? And the Meteor team just shut down the thread because they felt like it was going to go negative. And I feel like it's a legitimate question. And I welcome those kinds of questions on Trader because I think that, you know, the community is bigger than just what Meteor is offering. And, And with that, like, I'm putting together a code of conduct that's going to be on the site now, and I'm going to be opening up a Slack chat that is uh, free for any creator fans to join uh, and kind of talk about new stories and ask questions, and that kind of thing. So well, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of excited. So I'm, I'm going to try to get all that done maybe tonight or this weekend and see where it goes. But yeah, that's, that's a big thing for me is just trying to grow up the community, I guess, and make it more inclusive and more welcoming. and I don't know. Definitely.
1: Speaking about communities and uh, JavaScript in general, uh, Sasha um, has been wondering, he's been having this question: is like, what is the state of JavaScript right now in terms of front-end frameworks or libraries? And so he sent, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago, he sent me this uh, Google Doc where he was uh, putting together questions that he was going to ask the community. And there was a lot of great questions. So we, you know, a lot of people chimed in on what, to be, what should be asked. And uh, he, he launched a survey it's called like the State of JavaScript 2016 Survey. And uh, he got, man, over like 3,000 responses, probably growing now. Yeah. And so that's great. It's great to see that he has a huge uh, community that he can ask. And it wasn't even Meteor people. He just asked people outside of his network so it wasn't very biased. So that
0: was cool. Yeah, um, I think a lot of the traffic came from like Reddit or yep. like, we announced it in the chat room. So maybe there was slight meteor bias there in Space Dojo, yeah. but we've got 300 people. It's not 3,000. So it's exactly. weighted it that much.
1: And you just pretty much asked like different questions on different frameworks. Like if they were satisfied, um, you know, what are the top frameworks? Like what are you most interested in? And the contenders were uh, React, Angular. Angular 2, Ember, Vue.js, and I think he threw Backbone in just for a consolation prize. There's a lot of people still using Backbone, but it's like legacy.
0: There was a write-in, so you could write in. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's Other, yeah. But then you could write uh, it in. And, and so he got, you know, I thought it was interesting he got a lot of write-ins for Knockout, JS. Yes.
1: I think Microsoft products, Microsoft developers are using Knockout, but that's yeah. a long time ago. In any case, uh, the interest, uh, he published a cool uh, chart via ChartBlocks. It's a great chart like service, I guess, where you can just produce cool charts for your blog posts. So, pretty much the interest, obviously, React was at the highest 73% interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then,
0: surprisingly,
1: View. View at 48%.
0: I don't know uh, that I'm surprised by that. Um, I'm not
1: actually. I'm yeah, not. I thought I it was going to be Angular too, though.
0: I've had some conversations with Ben like a while ago where they were pulling some people in Chicago and like at the JavaScript meetup and stuff. And a lot of the things that were interesting there were like um, feathers. And uh, view and stuff like that, and so like I'm, I guess I'm a little less shocked by that myself. I think there are a lot of people that really like and enjoy view. You know, it started to follow patterns in React, which is kind exactly. of watch happen as well. I was a little surprised by where Ember was at, perhaps. Like it was barely above Backbone right <laughs> I know right and it was on par with angular so like I feel like maybe either the ember community is not that big which I don't think is true or it's just we didn't reach them somehow so far with this yeah maybe
1: they weren't reached yeah or they talk a the big game all the time but maybe no one's interested so I mean, they
0: have a conference dedicated to it right like I don't yeah I feel like it's a little surprising that that view would beat it out by that much
1: yeah. Could be some uh, sampling bias here, but uh, that's what the interest was. I am actually really surprised about Ember being slow, especially as like big companies like LinkedIn, that's their front end library at LinkedIn. So it's interesting to see.
0: You know what What was actually super interesting is the amount of repeat customers, right? Like he asked a question about who mm-hmm. would use a given framework again and like 92% would use React again. Yeah which is stunning to me right like react view and angular all were over 50% but everyone else was under 50% which i think yeah. again i you know i think ember like a question like is an outlier because we didn't get enough people in or what but this question it wouldn't matter how many people you get in right like yeah it's all about this is about if you've used it would you use it again yeah So these percentages are out of the number of people that have used it. So that's really, really interesting that only 40 something percent would use it again. But views right up there, right? Like 86%.
1: 86%. That means they have the best developer experience besides from React, right? React has the best dev experience because, I don't know, I genuinely feel very happy building with it, you know, or it feels very natural.
0: There's a cost associated with hiring people especially in in the valley or in the surrounding area in San Francisco. And like, I think it's cheaper to retain people than it is to go find new people to hire. Yeah. Like making a good developer experience on their internal tooling, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So,
1: but it's crazy that, you know, Evan, you solo man project in the beginning has such a good developer experience. And I said this before, but I think he really like just learned, what the competition was doing and did what they were not doing. Right. And so he kind of has a little bit of you know, people like templates. So he has a little bit of templates, people love components. So he got the components and the JSX people want server side rendering. He did that. It's yeah. like almost that like when every library got some flack about not having this, he took some notes and he was like, okay, when I build my stuff, it's going to be the exact problem that they're trying to solve. So, yeah. That's why I'm not really surprised. He put a lot of care into it.
0: Well, it does this maybe denote since he's one guy versus the team like react or Facebook's put together with react. Like, does this maybe denote in your mind that he's done a good job of community management? Like maybe he's getting, yeah, he has actually participation uh, and shepherding them in a good direction. That's good for the framework.
1: Yeah. Cause right off the bat, he built this very modular. So Uh, There are just different, like, modules that go with Vue that are maintained by companies, other people, dev shops that fell in love with the framework. He has, like, 10 core contributors um, in Vue, I think, uh, that are just, like, in a close-knit group that maybe write documentation or whatever. But then you have these companies that are just, you know, part of his Patreon campaign that are using it in their product that depend on it. So they're, like, really invested as well in in terms of community and all that. So I think it's just very organic how it's just, you know, blown up. Especially since a whole framework of Laravel is just adopted. that as their front-end choice. It looks like the whole PHP community essentially is using Laravel now. That's a huge amount of people that, you know, I don't usually talk to in, in terms of, you know, back-end communities but that's a whole community that's just adopted it. So that's really cool. I'm really excited about that.
0: I'm running some numbers here because I'm kind of curious, like what this ends up looking like as far as contributors go. Seventeen. Yeah. So Meteor's is at like 56 commits per contributor on average. Yeah. And React is at 10. It's like slightly under 10. It's at like 9.5 per contributor. And Vue comes in in the middle. It's got 82 contributors for almost 2000 commits. So And that, that comes out to be like 24 commits per contributor. So yeah, yeah. It's definitely like not at the react level, but it's certainly seems like it's trending that way. The other big, the big indicator is like if 24 is the average, you got to look and see like how many people. Yeah. Yeah. See, here's the problem. No one falls above that average except for Evan. So I think it just indicates that he's doing a really, really great job. Yeah. Yeah. He's taking onesie twosie commits from a lot of people as well.
1: And that's how it starts, right? Once you, once you start doing those one or two commits, then people feel more comfortable and then they'll start progressing the library forward. But I guess at this stage of view, he's the architect. So he, he still has his own plans for it, you know?
0: Yeah. Like I'm glad number one, he wrote this blog post because I think it, it, Links back to the survey, and my hope is, you know, he gained even more. And I, I I suggested to Sasha, like he should be going into all the subreddits, like the Ember subreddit, and posting it there, and React subreddit, Mm -hmm. and like I think that's the way to maybe get more of a particular type of person in the door. And if you do that Mm -hmm. across the range of subreddits, like hopefully we're maybe a little more inclusive in the what this looks like. Results wise, definitely, definitely. So I don't know. I'm super interested. I will say like set aside 15, 20 minutes to take this thing and don't walk away. Yeah. Just get it done in one sitting. Cause someone said they lost their results cause they walked away and came back to it later. <laughs> <laughs> he still powered through and got it done um, a second time. But like, I would, that would be, that would be very, very annoying cause it is yeah, yeah, like, seriously, yeah. like a 15, 20 minute, survey
1: so well worth the time though Indeed. the whole goal of this is to have see like you know new people are always asking like what to do what should i do if you have this if you have data on the satisfaction report of people actually using these products then you can make your decision a lot easier you know
0: yeah yeah for sure well and i i also think just in general like there's safety numbers right like react router is probably a safer bet than flow router at this point just because there's yeah. like you know 10x 20x number of people using react router so yeah
1: Good to know you this. know libraries should do NPS scores where you just like you know you're running a thing it's just like, hey would you like us take the mps survey and you just give it a 10 or like six or whatever that would be actually pretty interesting as well so you,
0: as you go i had an early idea like years ago i actually had a domain called plugin hub and it was the idea that like you could Basically pull in packages from like npm or Ruby Gems or any of these places, and like try to basically get metric scores off of it. You know, like how active is the library? How many people are downloading it? Like, and that that would be one of the things that would be really cool to do is like ping people and be like, hey, we noticed you you're using this. Like, yeah, give us give us an idea. Like, does this make you happy or sad? Would you recommend it (laughs) to other people?
1: (laughs) It makes me sad. (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so the next story is from our one of our community members, um, Tom, yep. Tom Goldenberg, which we met in New York. Uh, yep. is cool. He is co-writing a book with uh, Nicholas Brown. They're both in New York City. They're writing a React Native tutorial book. And so uh, it looks interesting to me. Uh, I haven't actually seen a copy of it. But one of the, the fun things, I, I talked to him a little bit after he posted it on Twitter, mm-hmm. was like, what are you using to show off some of the the parts of the book? Like, they're talking about user accounts and API integration and mapping. I was kind of curious what they were using on the back end. And he said they're using something called Deployed. Have you heard of Deployed?
1: No. About to look it up.
0: It's deployed.com, no E. Yeah, it's really cool. You can build like REST APIs and they've got a little uh, DPD WebSocket library. That's, That's awesome. cool. All oh, right. DPD. You got to say that and not it I'm with I'm familiar here. <laughs> yeah, they, they totally have a front end kind of socket listener that you can utilize so that you can get kind of like the real time updates and stuff if you need it. And they've got... That's awesome user management so you can use their little ddp library dpd library i just did it to do handle like the login stuff and all that kind of th- so i'm it's kind of interesting like i honestly i may want to just read the book just to see like what it looks like with them building a library using this deployed um do they have pricing on here that's the one thing
1: well they don't have any pricing but yeah that's weird they should put the price Tom you should put the
0: price on the website man <laughs> well, this isn't Tom's thing um, well, it's 25 bucks yeah the book's 25 bucks but I was kind of curious what deployed would cost as a oh service. deployed yeah so yeah I think you know if you if you're interested in react native uh, there's certainly a lot of tutorials out there right like my good friend uh, Scott Tolinski has a like six hour video course that you can take on react native so if video is more your thing, you could go do that at Level Up Tutorials, or you could do this, uh, which is buildreactnative.com. You can get this book. Right now it's like 13 chapters. Someone I used to work with, Spencer, spoke at CreatorConf Mobile Edition, and I think he's working on a book about using React Native and Meteor together. So, you know, you have a lot of, a lot of good options available. I love,
1: uh, I love books like this where, like, you're learning things with a goal, like this, this whole book has a project that you're trying to build, like assemblies, like a meetup clone or something. Yep, that's cool. You get to, you know, you buy the book, and then at the end of the day, you get some working prototype that you can then use as reference when you build something by yourself.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge super fan of building clones as a way to teach because I think my Master Meteor class and my my Cordova class are both centered around like Master Meteor. You build a Twitter clone, and then in the Cordova class, you build a, uh, urban spoon clone, sure, mm-hmm. bought, but if you're not familiar, it's like finding restaurants with ratings and that kind of thing. People can look at those applications if they're somewhat familiar with them and understand that functionality inherently and, and kind of know how the, how it should act. And so they can equate that idea in their mind of like, here's how this feature works to like, here's how we actually write that code and make it you know and i think that that's like it's easy to make that connection and like learn something from it
1: yeah and then you also realize that a lot of those apps are like the same you know in functionality wise a lot of apps do the same things
0: yeah yeah there's definitely overlap here and there is it time
1: oh man i think it's time (laughs) it's time no i don't know about that but uh, our last topic of the day is a a forum, a Meteor forum post has called um, <laughs> Is it Is It Time to Fork Meteor? So this is just an interesting topic as most topics on the Meteor forum get to that, you know, like this this gentleman, Ramiz, I think he is just very, um, you know, very unhappy with the way Meteor has progressed. He wanted to replace Mongo with RethinkDB or MySQL and He was upset that Meteor development has slowed down in comparison to the Apollo development, you know. And he's thinking what everyone else is thinking is like, if Meteor development group is pushing changes and they're just slowing down the main part of the framework, what happens to all the people that are using it? And does it make sense for us, as you know, community of Meteor, to fork it and? take it in a different direction. Now, from what I understand in the past with forking libraries like IOJS and Node.js, you know, that happened and, you know, they eventually came back together. So maybe a fork is interesting where a group of people go out and build the features that they want to see and maybe they'll come back to, to the main Meteor core at, at someday in the future. But giving people that option to not use Meteor and use maybe a different design or thinking or train of thought of Meteor is interesting to me. But for me, my perspective, I run an engineering team with a big product. We can't take risks like that. You know, fork is as risky as the current product. Whoa. So I would not risk my you know but development on that you're
0: like you're a medium sized company right that's still taking on like my guess is you'll have another round of funding and like that's Definitely. the risk you want to take on when you're still like looking at funding you know
1: yeah and when you're trying to build and move fast you can't be switching your technology every day because people need to learn new technology and that's the cost of feature development time and bug fixing time and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Um, I I don't know, this is interesting. It's not the first time this has come up, right? And and we definitely, like, so I'll say, if you're not aware of it, there already is a community fork out there, right? Like Clinical Mm -hmm. Meteor is a release track and this is a thing that you can do. You can release a version of Meteor to the package servers and people can then go install that release. And basically they'll be operating on that version rather than the core version that the Meteor team is putting out. So, like, Meteor itself actually thought about this and Mm -hmm. did something interesting when they allow people to put out their own Meteor releases. I I think there's a little bit of BS going on in this post. Like, it it just smells to me. Like, anytime someone says, like, React is good for the consulting community, like, I don't... I don't buy that. To me, that just tells me you haven't tried react yet. Like I don't like looking at the state of JavaScript. Like I don't think you hit a 92% reuse rate on the survey if it's only good for consultants. And I don't like it's not necessarily easy to get started with either. So like I don't. Yeah. that's actually bad for consultants. The fact that like there's a little more overhead to get get started with it. That's one of the reasons, like, I was so happy with Meteor is because as a consulting company, like, we could absolutely pop out apps, like, every six weeks to clients and move on and and do another one. And, like, the sales team was concerned with keeping the pipeline full. The problem I have with Meteor now is, like, looking at how things have gone with, like, the Crater update. Like, Blaze is terrible. Blaze is really, really actually terrible. Blaze is terrible. And it's just like, you can't, you can't compete. You can't compete with React. And there's another thread that's, that's probably worth reading in the forums. And I put a lot of thoughts into it's like the guy was complaining about React in there again, and like, I, you, you're not going to, you can't compete. Like there's no way, even if, if MDG decided we're going to compete with React, like there's no way. Um, there's no way. Their, their tooling and their their eye on performance and that kind of stuff, like they've already captured a lot of mind share and interest and like they're already like their performance is already probably 10x better than what Blaze could be. And like they're still pushing that forward because it matters to them. And like Facebook literally makes money off you staying on the site. And if their site gets slow, that costs them dollars. Right. Yes. So you can, you can go read about how like one second of delayed load time on a page costs Am- Amazon an estimated like $1 billion, like almost $2 billion, 1.6 billion. Like this stuff matters to those people. And at some point it's going to matter to you as well. Like yeah. we can absolutely see from crater, like the speed matters. And to say that it doesn't, I think is a little ridiculous. Or to say that it's somehow benefiting someone else, like a consultant, like that doesn't make much sense to me. You know, Meteors, I don't know, they made some weird moves, right? Um, But ultimately, if you look at it at the end of the day, from a dollar's perspective for a startup, it makes a ton of sense. Like React will always be better than Blaze. And so, why why should you spend time something like that when it doesn't make a lot of sense? And it's not integral, right? Like, there's plenty of other front end options. If you don't like this one, you can go plug in another one, and like that one's probably still doing better than Blaze would do because you have this team, this team of initially like eight people or whatever it's been that were focused on multiple areas and trying to build something, and it turns out like it was a lot for them to care about and work on and build. And they didn't do a great job of separating that out. Like they did try to make blaze it's its own living entity and it didn't work that first time. And they're trying to do it again, but I still think it's just not, it's not going to take off in the world of, you know, angular two and react and
1: Yeah, I just, just some of the comments in this thread are just ridiculous. Like, Oh, like, thanks for the classic meteor. I'm going to be building blaze tools or, Oh, uh, Facebook's only solving Facebook's problem. And, you know, Facebook's,
0: it turns out Facebook's problem is really actually close to my problem as well.
1: Like Same like, here on, I want
0: people <laughs> to stay on the pages as long as they can. And then I want them to do something that somehow financially rewards me. Right. And that's yeah. everyone's building that. If you're not building that, like, you're building a nonprofit, But chances are your Non-profit still needs money Coming in the door Like I just don't yeah, there's, Selling
1: There's no. a comment here That says Performance doesn't matter
0: Like it Absolutely matters Are you a
1: hobbyist Dude Like okay This is the problem I've always had With Meteor community Also Before I get into that You know On Twitter Like people say That we're grumpy old people Talking about Meteor But You know what I'm gonna keep <laughs> Keep talking about it Look Blaze is terrible, okay? And the reason why is, you know, companies like Lookback and um, Classcraft have defended Blaze when I rant about it, saying that, you know, we built all these libraries and stuff. That's cool. But I'll tell you this, from a production standpoint, like, you built those libraries, and you probably spent a lot of time and effort perfecting those libraries where something in React, you could have built the same thing in half the time and, like, less bugs, you know?
0: Maybe. I, I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, definitely, you know.
0: I'll say this. Like, I felt like Meteor packages were more polished. But part of that comes from the whole mindset of frameworks versus libraries, right? And so I think in the other thread, the, the thoughts from a newbie thread, they talked about the integration points. So if you look at, like, GraphQL, and you look at the ecosystem that's springing up around that, Like you're getting smart little libraries that are integrating Angular with Apollo and GraphQL, and that's great. But you don't yet have an accounts system that's been built around that, and part of that is like that's out of the purview of GraphQL or Apollo to some degree, right? And like because you're choosing to focus on this one small piece, which is good as a library, like that's what they should be doing, and things are moving in the right direction as a result of that. You end up with like not getting these deeper integrated packages that come along as a framework, and so like that that's part of the problem, right? Like maybe the Meteor packages felt better because they they were easier to install and integrate and use, um, but at the same time, like. I think that now you're running into a maintenance problem because people are moving on and like meteor isn't as open, you know, the package system is its own thing and not an NPM thing. And so like other people can't benefit from a lot of these packages and therefore like people move on and things die off. Yeah. And so that to me, that's, that's kind of interesting as well. And so I think like people look at GraphQL or Apollo and they go like, it's terrible. It's a terrible idea. Like I just I just want Rethink DB. Why can't we just have Rethink DB in the current meteor ecosystem and make that a thing? Like Horizon went off and did it. Like why can't we just do it in Meteor? To me, the realization that you have a back-end database driver and you build a front-end database driver like Mini Mongo, you start yeah. to realize like, ah oh, crap. Like I've got to now officially support a second database driver on both the front and the back end, you know? The back end is slightly easier to do because you can rely on Node, but at the same time, like, you now have to make sure that it serializes correctly to DDP to flow across the wire, and then you have to have a new cache on the front end, or you say, screw it, you get mini Mongo on the front end, right? And you just have this, like, sure, you can have RethinkDB on the back end, and then you just use Mongo syntax on the front end, and it's like... Yeah, it's weird, right? It's kind of weird, They actually spent time, right? Working on RethinkDB. They spent time working on Postgres and trying to figure out, is there a smart way we can do this? And they went, yeah, actually, we can just do GraphQL and Redux Store. and Bob. That's it. (laughs) Call it a day. Yeah. I feel like it's interesting and they're moving in the right direction. But if you're, you know, building a production app, like it maybe feels a little weird still with Apollo as the option. And it definitely, like, I got to say, I spent some time outside of the Meteor community and... It's you get analysis paralysis, and that's the danger of living outside of Meteor is like figuring out how to wire together all that stuff. And like it's a one time thing for each app, but it still feels like maybe a little daunting. Yeah. Like, oh, I gotta figure out how to do Webpack, and then I gotta figure out how to make like React talk to GraphQL and you know make all these things happen. You get a lot of that nice stuff from Meteor, and so I guess I get it but at the same time like at some point you're building something for someone that's going to bring value and like you're going to you're going to run into problems with meteor in the long run I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, from my personal experience now, my team we're literally building everything in npm modules just because we cannot deal with the slowness of the build. We can't we can't be bothered to be slowed down by, you know, 10-minute build times or whatever. All of our backends now going to microservices. So we're not even touching the media app anymore. Um, and then GraphQL is going to play a big part in that, that orchestration. And on the front end, thank you, Aronota. We started building everything with Storybook. So all of our front-end modules, none of it's going to be in the app. We're all importing everything. And if you want to test and write CSS, you can use Aphrodite for CSS and JS. And then uh, we just write everything in our NPM modules. We test them on Storybook. We have a whole new workflow of how Storybook integrates with everything. Once that's all done, we put it in the app, and then we have to deal with the slow freaking build. But you know what? You save a bunch of time not doing that stuff in the application. Mm. But the fact that we have to do all that outside the application, just it really t- should tell you that, This is just not working out for a big a bigger team, you know. Right, like with a lot of code. So, and they address those
0: things. That's that's a big part of it, right? Because now you get to this point where it's like, oh, we adopt Meteor. It's fast. It meets my needs. This is great. Like we're gonna move quick. We're gonna iterate. We're gonna find product market fit. Good for you. Like that's really really good. That's what you should be doing as an early stage. But surprise, surprise you hit series A, Series B, somewhere in there, you gotta start paying off that technical debt. And there are other things that you start to care about. And one of those is speed, speed of the team, which yep. you know, working with, with Blaze in the long run, like large applications, doesn't quite feel right to me using Blaze. Like I've done some pretty large applications and we've suffered through some rendering performance problems. And like, you know, again, they'll keep they'll continue to do like little speed increases in the various parts, but it's never going to be like, if you do A-B testing, you can slowly move your way towards like a 10 or 20% increase, right? And that's what we're doing here. Like we we can make Blaze slightly better, slightly better. We can make the build tool slightly better here and there. And those are great. But, you know, unless we go back to the drawing board and do a complete redesign, like that's the only way you're ever going to be able to do like, a major, major speed upgrade or a major, like, you know, in the AB testing world conversion improvement, if you do a redesign, chances are you might be able to capture like 50% increase in sales or something. We're at this point where we're maintaining a lot of legacy stuff. Like absolutely someone like RethinkDB can build horizons quickly because they're building, you know, that, that 80% portion, which you can do quickly and it's going to take them a long time to get that, that other 20% polish that they need to make it really good. Yeah. But they're also not dealing with the legacy at this point. Like, you know, if you just started again today, I think you could rebuild Meteor pretty fast, like the core of it, using yeah. pre-built things like Passport and React. I do think like, you know, it, it would take you months and then there would be like, you would start to slow down just because you've, you've got so much code. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's big. It's big. It's a big
1: undertaking, too.
0: Yeah, so. but they're doing it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm. I'm curious to see what kind of speed improvements we get with one four two. Yeah, I
1: hope they're big. Knowing Ben, they'll be good.
0: Yeah. So and frankly, like they they did build some performance testing tools on the build side of things. So like, if it's slow for you and you want to help, like there's a great document mm-hmm. uh, out there on the repo somewhere that you can read and they show you how to run the performance testing, which I know you've done, you posted work pops. So, yeah. just, so here's the thing I'll say, I don't think it's time to fork it. Um, I think you're gonna, you're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> you gonna have a bad time. Um, but yeah. like start the discussions. Right. And so out of this thread came the discussion that I started. Part of the problem I have is that, Oh, I needed accounts Twitter and accounts Facebook. And guess what? Blaze is now on Crater's front end. Do you need Blaze to do anything? No. But part of that JavaScript bundle that's being delivered. And that's a problem. You know, I, I worked off an issue from the discussion and started talking and just doing some investigative work and posting my findings here and there over the course of like two hours and ended up tracking down where the problem was. I think we've got a solution that maybe we can fix in Meteor One Four Two 2, or 1, Five. It seems attainable. So, like, that, that's what it's going to take, right? Like, Meteor itself, they're not going to fix that. They'll say, yeah, we think it's a problem. Yeah, the solution looks okay. You should go do it. And that's a lot of what's going to happen going forward.
1: Yeah. We need to
0: be okay with that, yeah. essentially. Whew, that was ranty. I don't know. I apologize, listeners. <laughs> I felt a little ranty. You should know where it's going, right? And I think if you listen to this show, you maybe have an idea where a Meteor's heading. Like, it shouldn't be a shock to you that when you go look at the commits page, it's all Ben Newman, <laughs> and it shouldn't be a shock to you to see like Abernix or Lauren or someone uh, Lo Sab, Lao low I don't know how you say this. Get handled, but other people are like chiming in on on the threads that you're in because they're they're trying to build that community involvement and governance and that kind of thing. So it's slow, but I think it's yeah. It's Thanks for listening. that's all I got this week. Let's try something. If you enjoy this show, we we post it on Crater now with the new design, and you can listen to the podcast on the Crater site but if you enjoy the show, tweet about it, let other people know about it because that's the only, the only way people find out is you sharing it in some way. And we super appreciate that. And if you have questions, like we'll have that Slack chat up soon. And Avi and I will be in there. You can post your questions in there, post them on Twitter. Like we'll be happy to like, I would love to do a little segment on here where we answer questions for a couple minutes. So absolutely get that stuff posted like at crater podcast on Twitter. And then, of course, you can go to Patreon, p a t r e o n dot com slash Meteor Club, um, and help support the efforts like editing and that kind of thing. Because we we have a an audio editor, and I've got a an assistant that posts this stuff. Because I'm terrible at remembering all the little things, so <laughs> I let them handle that. I just <laughs> rant and then save the file and give it to them.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. so, tweet us and stay tuned for that uh, Slack chat. It's going to be great.
0: Yes, super excited. All right, guys. See you next week. See this has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S P A C E D O J O.com.